there's enough food, there's enough money, there's enough kitchens, and there's enough people who want it. Like it's all there. What if every single restaurant or one in every 10 restaurants in America was making food and utilizing their excess? We could finish this whole food insecurity business. It's time to change the world. There's got to be a better way. It's time for something better. You feel like you can't really make a difference, but the fact is that you can. We're telling the stories of people who are changing the world and how you can help. You know, we just need more companies that are out there solving these problems. Businesses, nonprofits, artists, and individuals who have found a problem and then created a solution. If we want to have real impact, we have to do it together. You'll come away from every episode with action steps you can take to be part of that solution. We're never going to feel satisfied and happy if we just stay the same. We can each change the world every single day. People can actually come together and build a future for themselves along with other people. Our daily actions have a massive impact. So what will we do about it? We can remake the world. Because guess what? We can. Hi, everyone. I'm Nathan Gardner, and this is We Can Remake the World, a podcast about people who are changing the world and how you can help. You know that feeling of walking around with a rock in your shoe and how uncomfortable it is and how quickly you want to fix the problem, but sometimes you're in a rush and you tell yourself, I'll just do it later. I'll do it in a few minutes. It'll be fine. So you end up walking around for 5 minutes, or 10, or 20 minutes, with a minor but growing pain in your foot, until you just stop for a minute, take your shoe off, and empty out the rock that got in there. Sometimes it feels to me like we're all just walking around with a rock in our shoes. We know that we're uncomfortable. We know that the world around us isn't what it could be, isn't what we know it should be, and that the problems going on out there are not impossible to fix. But we're often in so much of a hurry that we convince ourselves we should just keep on going, despite this annoying feeling that something is really wrong, and it seems to be growing, it's not going away. Or maybe we're just distracted by the news of the day or other current events which can easily pull our focus in a thousand different directions, and so we simply forget that there's this growing pain in our foot, so to speak, this feeling in the back of our minds that something's not quite right and we need to do something about it. It can be easy to overlook the fact that if we just take a moment to stop, recognize what's happening, and then do whatever we need to do to make the situation better, we can move on without that nagging pain that just keeps getting worse. We can do something to take that pain away, and the solution might be simpler than we realize, more accessible than we've thought. I think our guest today is a fantastic example of someone who's not willing to ignore the rock that's stuck in our shoe and who also wants the rest of us to realize, to help us understand, that it's going to be a lot easier to slow down and shift course than it will be to continue on the way we are, pretending like nothing's wrong. I think there's a tendency we have to assume that in order to make any improvements in our world, to really change the world, we have to reinvent the wheel, to knock everything down and start over from scratch, that it's going to be hard and take a long time, But our guest today proves that all we really need is a willingness to find a new way to think about the world we already have 
and then the willingness to act. The sooner we follow that path of stopping, slowing down, looking around, and taking the obvious action, whatever it is, to improve our situation, the better off we'll be. Because the thing is, the longer you walk around with a rock in your shoe, the worse it hurts over time, and the worse it will get, until you simply stop and do something about it. Stick around as we explore the solution that our guest today is building to solve food insecurity around the United States and eventually around the world, creating some much-deserved relief for millions of people around the world and one less rock in our shoe. As we all remember, in early 2020, hundreds of thousands of restaurants in major cities around the world suddenly closed as lockdowns forced all of us inside and left our streets empty millions of people were facing uncertain employment and a sudden lack of income alongside many people around the world and especially in large cities who faced growing food insecurity a lack of access to food as they had already been doing since they launched in 2017 the food focused nonprofit rethink food based in new york city took a step back looked at the problem and asked, how can we help? Rethink saw an opportunity to build a program, a new program that could bring restaurant staff back to work, utilize food waste that was out there, and feed those in need at the same time. Rethink started this new program by partnering with the world-famous New York City restaurant 11 Madison Park to begin cooking thousands of meals a day for New Yorkers in need. And Rethink also eventually partnered with dozens of small restaurants around New York City to do the same, supporting them financially to keep them afloat while they cooked meals for those who were food insecure during a hugely challenging time for everyone, supporting the community in the restaurant and supporting the wider community outside the restaurant as well. This is what Rethink does. Identify a problem, take a step back, Look at the systems involved and then build a solution that just makes sense from where they sit. Since creating their Rethink Certified program in April 2020, at the height of the first lockdown, Rethink has invested over $10 million in independent restaurants in several U.S. cities, including New York City, Nashville, Chicago, San Francisco, and others. And each of these restaurants are now being paid by Rethink not only to cook meals for their customers, but also for the food insecure in their communities. The program has provided over 2 million meals. Currently, Rethink is partnered with some of the top chefs and restaurants in the United States, including Daniel Hum of 11 Madison Park, who is also a co-founder and board member of Rethink, Dominique Crenn of Atelier Crenn in San Francisco, Sean Brock of Nashville's new Audrey restaurant, Michael Schwartz from Michael's Genuine in Miami, J.J. Johnson of New York City's Field Trip, Stephanie Izzard of Chicago's Girl and the Goat, and more. You've seen many of these chefs on shows like Netflix's Chef's Table. They represent the top of the culinary world in the United States, and because of their high profile, they're calling attention to food insecurity and the solutions that Rethink is coming up with in a whole new way. We're joined today by Matt Josiak, founder and CEO of Rethink Food. 
Matt came up as a restaurant cook in some of the top kitchens in the world and saw firsthand how powerful food can be within communities and how much excess food goes to waste in restaurants which can easily be shared with the right support systems in place. Matt set out to build that system four years ago and has been learning, growing, and continuing to rethink his approach and rethink our approach to food and those who need it so that together we can solve the food insecurity problem for good. So today we're joined by Matt Josiak, founder and CEO of the New York City-based Rethink Food. Thanks so much, Matt, for being with us. We're really excited to chat with you today. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Yeah, definitely. So if you don't mind, I'd love to start with your story a bit and just how the work that you did in the culinary world led you to creating Rethink Food. Yeah. Um, you know, I, um, had kind of like the typical cook story. I started as a dishwasher when I was trying to pay for college and, um, worked underneath a really, really great chef that kind of inspired me to, to push it and go further. I ended up in Chicago and then eventually in France, uh, Denmark, and then, uh, Chicago, back to Chicago and then New York city. And kind of all throughout the way, I was really, you know, taken by two things. One that there's a lot of food around, there's plenty of it. And then two, that, Restaurants are really great community centers. They're really great people. There's really wonderful people that work there. And you also can learn a variety of skills. You get one meal a day. Um, You know, it's a really wonderful job and a very important part of our society. Yeah. I mean, you're being really humble, I think, about some of the places you worked in Europe. I know you worked at, was it Noma in Copenhagen? Yeah. Yeah, definitely some of the, I mean, some of the top restaurants. I would imagine that you have a unique perspective sort of on the restaurant world at that level, which, you know, I think we can talk about in a little bit. Um, but I love that idea of restaurants being kind of a, a community center, something that, you know, where there's food, there's community. I think you hear that a lot from people. When there's community, there's also opportunity. You know, what opportunity did you start to see working in these restaurants where you were seeing food waste, but also the opportunity for people to connect and, you know, do something about the food waste? Like, how did that coalesce in your mind? And do you remember that sort of light bulb moment where you wanted to really, you know, take action and build something? Yeah, no, I, you know, it's funny. I did have like, uh, it's, I did have a eureka moment, but it wasn't there. Um, but I, I really, I truly, I truly did. I remember it really, uh, clearly cause I ran over to my buddy's house and I was like, I gotta tell you about this thing. Eureka. And, and, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I gotta tell you, I'm going to do it. And then I remember I like drew it on a piece of paper and then he actually came and visited rethink like, I don't know, like a year and a half ago or something. He was pre COVID and he was like, this is exactly what you said you know like i it was exactly what i had drawn on the paper just you know operationalized uh but no when i was when i was at restaurants i i think that there was like kind of the beginning the inklings of like the social gastronomy movement like um it's kind of conscientious dining or chefs getting into social service and doing more things and I've, chefs have always been doing this but like it it started to kind of get pushed further and further as um as the years went on in my career and my friend Harold, you know, he was really a part of this, this chef's collective that did this thing. And, and I guess what really, really pushed me is I wanted to do something that was super practical, that made a lot of sense. And that's like still very alive at rethink. Like, you know, if I said I was part of a chef's collective for social justice, you'd be like, what, what, you know? So, and that's okay. That's like, and they do have their goals and their mission, but, Rethink has always been like very, 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 very practical. And I think that's what resonated with me. So I was always like, what's the job that nobody actually wants to do, but it's needed the most 
And what was needed the most is nobody wanted to drive a van around in the middle of the night and pick up all the excess food and then bring it back into a kitchen in Brooklyn and try to like make stuff out of it for people. But that's what by far was the most needed thing. So that's, that's why we do what we do. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes so much sense because restaurants, regardless of something like COVID or not, often have a tough time, especially in big cities. I mean, restaurants for something like this, I think making it easy for them and repeatable and kind of building structure around it is probably key because there's so much complexity already. There's there's a lot of ups and downs in that business. I worked in the restaurant industry through college. I know that they really, you know, they've got to be focused on staying afloat a lot of the time or, or continuing to grow. So that makes a lot of sense. You've started to allude to it, but what exactly does Rethink do? You know, how does Rethink work with restaurants? And what was that idea on the piece of paper as it got started and sort of how has it grown into what you all do now? Yeah, the, the piece of paper idea was uh, it was like a, a circle and it was like, you know, Rethink was going to collect food, sell some of it to pay for the collecting and making food and giving it to community centers. So we always forever and always have been trying to build a perpetual motion machine that basically just uses food or the value or the excess value in the system to pay for pushing the value to who needs it. So that's when we talk about like a sustainable and equitable food system. That's kind of what we're talking about. But yeah, so that was the original idea. And so what we're trying to do, what we're doing right now is we rethink utilizes excess to feed those in need. And so what that means is that's excess capacity, that's excess labor, that's excess money, that's excess food, that's excess transportation. So using like Uber drivers that are on the road already, but you know, are have downtime, to do our meals through tra- this nonprofit transformation or kitchen capacity that's like already there, already built, already ready to go. That's nobody's making food from 10, you know, at 10 in the morning at a restaurant that only does dinner, you know, using um, labor that's already there, skilled labor already ready to go. And then excess money, you know, so like people who go to like high end, I know it's a crazy thing to say, but you know, <laughs> people who are, are able to experience luxury brands and go to these things, you know, they're able to pay three or five dollars more a meal or a reservation or something like that to contribute to a, a small business in a neighborhood that we serve to make meals for a local community center. So we're still trying to build this like perpetual motion machine where we say all the time at Rethink, like there's enough food, there's enough money, there's enough kitchens and there's enough people who want it. So like it's all there. We just have to like move the boxes around to figure out how to do it. Yeah, I think I hear that often, I think, when it comes to food insecurity and also so many problems, I think, in you know, with sustainability in general of any kind, where it's really just rethinking what we have can actually solve the problem. We just have to look at where the resources are and distribute them better or build like funnels from something that is wasting to somewhere where that waste can then be utilized. Or like you're saying, I love the idea of adding a small sort of charge to a check at a restaurant where people can certainly afford a little extra to just support programs like this, to then support the restaurant's ability to do this work. I love that. I'd love to hear you dig into this idea of an equitable food system. Like, what does that mean to you? And where have you seen evidence of an inequity in the food system? Oof. Yikes. That's a, I know that's it's a, a it's a big question, but like <laughs> I just I'd really love to hear like just because you're so close to it, and I think a lot of people they know. Of course, we've all heard of folks who don't have access to food or folks who are in a in a situation of homelessness. But you know, I think people who are close to it always have really incredible things to say about actually how much we can do and how there is such a clear bridge to improving the situation. So yeah, yeah, totally. I, 
you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's not that complicated. It is complicated. It's not complicated, but it's, it's complicated how we got here, but it, I, we don't think that it's, you know, complicated to be helpful. So we see it all the time. And, and if we look at like our, like the way that we track, uh, where we distribute meals and, and, and who we, who we work with and who we partner with, we work with some data from the city of New York that, that they provide and, and a couple of other sources, including Feeding America. And you can see kind of what zip codes are, are harder hit and in more need than, than others and where there's more folks facing food insecurity by historical incomes. And um, then you can see the neighborhoods that are doing really, 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 really well. So the restaurants in the neighborhoods that are doing really, really well that have diners that are going in there every night, we try to transfer, we try to ask restaurants like that to put the line item on their check, every check. And then not an opt-in thing, like every check, not, you can't opt out. And then move that to the businesses that are in the neighborhoods that are, that are, have historically lower incomes. And so that's like, to us, it's like equity, you know, like taking cash, it's Robin Hood thing, you know, like yeah. taking cash from there and trying to move it to the small business sector there. And the other part of it is like, we believe that communities know how to take care of communities and like, they know what food they want. They know how they know their neighbors. Like, it's not really our job to be like, hello, we are, re- you know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, we try to, so we work working with like little soul food restaurants or Chinese restaurants, like the, working with these amazing, amazing entrepreneurs in these neighborhoods is like, it's just so key. And like for us staying out of it and just providing cash or assistance in any kind, maybe transportation and trying to not be uh, at the forefront. But philanthropy tends to go to a, a hard hit neighborhood and build something. We're trying to go there and like support something. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, which I think will probably lead to greater sustainability because it, it invites the people in. I think where solutions just try to like, we are going to build something that we think you need. It's like, well, but you haven't. Uh, engaged with them. You haven't asked them what they need. You haven't met them where they are so that what you give them will actually resonate with them so that they'll, they'll want to engage with it. You know, I think that makes a ton of sense. Have you seen where some of these restaurants have added these line items on the bill, them sort of sharing that with diners? I mean, of course, if a diner sees it on the check, they might be like, what is this? But did did some of these restaurants say, you know, if you eat with us, you're supporting this, this awesome, uh, organization which does this work to support communities in our city. Yeah, you know, it's it's sometimes, man. I mean, it's hard to. We kind of like to be honest, like screwed it up, to be vulnerable. We screwed it up <laughs> a little bit in the beginning. So, like, <laughs> not screwed it up. That's the wrong word. It's just like we 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 did an opt in, which people don't do, and we mm. learned that. And then we yeah. like the thing on the bottom of the menu where it's like proceed from this thing. We'll go. It's like people don't care. You know, like, hmm, yeah. like pe- people see it and you've seen it on menus too. And you're like, eh, okay, cool. You know, like whatever, like it's as cool that they're doing it. And I really appreciate it. But it's like, it's not like, man, I'm going to like stop my meal and read more about this organization. So what we're doing right now is we're doing staff trainings with, with people and we're trying to get people to like, really like, you know, like how do you make an equitable food system? Well, this, this restaurant's in an affluent neighborhood. And so this money will go to a small business in, in a not so affluent neighborhood and we'll, they'll make meals for their local community center. And this dinner made one meal or five meals or whatever. You know what I mean? We're trying to do these staff trainings and keep it really simple. So will you dig into that a little bit more too? What does it mean when these restaurants have that light on them on the check? Like what, what does that support? How does that translate? And 
um, what does that contribute to, and and how is Rethink sort of shepherding that to to those funds to these these programs who are then cooking these meals and getting them out to the community? Well, it starts with the community center. So we we look at we talk to the community center and we ask them, you know, are there restaurants that you like? You know, like are there restaurants in the neighborhood that you like that you really enjoy? A lot of times there are. If you, when you when you when you try, we've really screwed this up too before. So we we, uh, <laughs> we um, we'll call them we, learning moments. It's very kind of it's very Oprah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We stubbed our toe a few times along the way. It's okay. Yeah, we were we were trying to figure out um, we were trying to so the first thing we did is we figured out what like what is the best restaurant to do this, and then to this is when we were just giving a lot of like straight cash to restaurants. We were matching a CBO in a restaurant without asking the community based organization if they liked the restaurant. So like that was a disaster. Like they <laughs> they hated the food. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, they're yeah. so mad at this. And so we switched to we we really 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 quickly switched to um, only restaurants in the immediate proximity. And then we work with the, we have discussions with the community based organization and say. There's some some restaurants or some things that you like in the neighborhood. They say yes or no, and then um, they give us a list. And then those restaurants have to fit our credentials for uh, historical uh, Department of Health ratings, refrigeration, staff size, at least normal like operational stuff to make sure that they can do it. And then we monitor food quality and control. So like. I really, 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 really like feedback. So we actually send people out to give people $20 gift cards to like sit with them and talk to them. Sorry, that's my favorite part. To talk to them about like, did you like the food? When did you eat the food? Was it enough food? Was it, you know, what you're used to eating? You know, like these like really, really, really finite questions on their diet to like, just so that we can be better providers. And then we bring that information back to the community center or to the restaurant. But it's, um, it's, it's really a, an ecosystem that, you know, we're supporting through kind of micro donations through a couple of places. Uh, I love Madison Park has been especially generous. Yeah. So essentially it's taking resources like financing and food from certain places and then empowering local restaurants to then be able to donate within their communities to the community organizations that you all help to connect them with. Is that right? Yeah, so we'll give the restaurant in the community center restaurant, like, so there's three partners, like a fancy restaurant, like, you know, like a, a, a Four Seasons type place, donates to, like, KDO Soul Food, donates cash to KDO Soul Food. KDO Soul Food makes meals for neighbors together, which is a, you know, community center. So, like, cash is more impactful to KD, food is more impactful to neighbors together. Yeah, it's about excess. What I love about that is that it, I think it's really unique in how it addresses several members of the community in a city like New York, where it's like you've got this affluent level, you've got this level where many diners can afford to eat there, but maybe not at the sort of level of affluence of like an 11 Madison Park, a three-star Michelin restaurant, and then the community centers who are then serving those in need. Like, I don't know, I think it's kind of unique in that sense where it's really, it's more of a web. It's not like a step one, step two. Like there's like, it's an ecosystem that you're building, which I think in the long run will create a lot of potential. I think that's really cool. How did that come about? The sort of like the structure of it. I'm just curious, just like, is, was that like, uh, uh, was that your brainchild? Like, was that the team coming up with it? Like, was, was that the initial vision for it or is that what it grew into? Well, <clears throat> the whole thing always and forever, like back to the thing, it's building a perpetual motion machine with what is already there. 
So like there's already people, there's like people are going to go to fine dining restaurants and buy them out all the time. And a dollar or $5 is not going to matter to them at all. You know, the food at Kiana's place is already there. It's like, she's already making it. And with the economies of scale, like you can give her, you can work with her to do a, like a $5 or $4 meal because she's already making X amount at making a hundred more, or 50 more is like not that challenging, but she's already doing it. And then the community center is already doing it. So it's just like, if you can build the perpetual motion machine, you know, like the, if the money is always coming in and it's always kind of pushing this, this, you know, the, the Kiana and the meals are going out to the community and then the community center is reporting back to essentially, we're going to report back to the, the fine dining place and be like, look at all these amazing things you did and encouraging them and also, you know, helping them with like a tax deduction, whatever we can do to help you build this like thing that just never stops and just keeps growing and growing and growing. We're like a long way. We're like $11 million away from, from of our $20 million budget. We're like, we only have, I think it's like, I think it's like a 1.7 or 1.5 million covered of this perpetual motion machine. But if we can get to the $11 million of it, um, then it'll just keep growing and growing and growing without any, you know, without any help. And if we can use technology that we're working on and strategizing around to, to, basically automate it it could just you know it could just never stop and again i think what's great about rethink is this idea of giving back is really making its way into i think every level of society like we're really this this mindset of how can we make everything we do something that supports someone in need or some system in need in our on our planet um it's not maybe happening as fast as some of us would like but it's definitely getting there and so when a restaurant like 11 madison park again is is asking that question and answering it you know with for themselves with someone like rethink i think that's super exciting um Let's talk a little bit more about 11 Madison Park and, you know, what Rethink did with 11 Madison Park, especially over the pandemic and, you know, how cooks who had no work were given the opportunity to work to support members of the community. And, you know, I'll let you speak about it in greater detail, but I was super inspired by what I read about the partnership there. Yeah, you know, and, and it's, 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 it was happening at, you know, at restaurants all over New York, all over the country. And we think had like a high 70s restaurant partners all doing it. But we, we, Daniel and I talked to Daniel's on the board. So he's like, you know, kind of officially, unofficially my boss, but yeah. <laughs> executive chef, sure. head chef of 11 Madison. I should say this correctly. Executive chef of 11 Madison Park or just I chef. Just, just chef. Yeah. Yeah. It's his restaurant. That's the short version Yeah, yeah, (laughs) for anyone, for anyone who doesn't know 11 Madison park. Yeah. It's a, it's a really, really beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. Um, and, uh, you know, he's always pushing me to do more. And like, when we were talking about it, like we, that I'm really glad you said that because the core reason, you know, one, the meals are unbelievable. Right. But the way that Daniel speaks and, and, and kind of talks to the world is through food. And so when he went vegan, it was really important because he was kind of making a statement about that. And when, um, he was making meals in the middle of COVID, it was just to really signal to the world that like, we can do this. It was, it was meant to be, it wasn't meant to be the end all. Like we weren't going to solve security by, you know, turning EMP into a commissary kitchen. We, you know, we made, we made hundreds and hundreds of thousands of meals. We did tons of work. We employed a lot of people. It was really, really amazing. I'm not going to say that, but it was meant to be like, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. And like that, that was the, 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 own, the main reason. And him and I spent a lot of time thinking about rethink certified and Daniel. It was actually really his idea. He said, what if every single restaurant or one in every 10 restaurants in America 
was making food and utilizing their excess. And I was like, like that would actually just, that would work, you know, like that would, we could finish this whole food and security business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, I just got chills. Like, that's the question. It's like, okay, we can do something. What if more people did this thing? And like, we could actually solve this. And it's just a matter of like getting people on board with the idea and then helping them understand how to do it. And then it just grows from there. Exactly. As you've grown, rethink, like what is your vision, how has that vision grown for you? Where it's like, if we could just do this on a greater scale, like what have you learned and seen so that people can say, oh wow, like this really is solvable. And you know, I think you're working in other cities outside of New York as well. Like what, what have you seen of you as you've expanded too, and how it's starting to work in other urban areas? Um, you know, it's different everywhere. I think that they're, you know, everybody's very open to it. You know, Dominique Cran, amazing. She's a chef, one of the, my favorite chefs. San Francisco, right? Or on yeah. the West Coast? Yeah. Yeah, San Francisco. She's. I just watch a lot of Chef's Table. <laughs> <laughs> she's unbelievable. She's truly, 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 truly unbelievable. Um, and she and Sean Brock, you know, like they're all into it. Like everybody is like into it. And so it's kind of like a secret, not really a secret because I'm talking about our own podcast. But um, there's. <laughs> We're like Michael's genuine um, in Miami. Uh, Michael Schwartz uh, working with us. We're super excited about that. Um, he's him and his partner have been like really supportive. JJ Johnson's working with us, which is like unbelievable. Daniel, Dominique Cren, Sean Brock, and hopefully we can't. You know, I'm trying to like I'm asking publicly Nick Kakonis and Grant Ackids if you call me, please. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And, and, and I want to meet with them to do that. Cause if we did that and like, really like, it's really like, they're kind of the missing link. But if we're, if we do that, then the, really it's like the entire country's pinnacle chefs are working together to do this. And then it's like, we start there and then I, I need to really, I'm raising money, considerable dollars to invest in technology for rethink because it has to be easy for people to like do it. You know, you have to be able to like log in, go to rethinkfood.org. I want to be a rethink certified restaurant. And then you type in your information and it shows you how to put a line item on your check. It shows you where to give the money, you know, like all those systems tax deduction shows you how to brand it. And we have all the branding and marketing and stuff done. It's just like, we need the tech to do it too. And then if you want to make meals, log in, become rethinks. And if you're a corporation and we also have a part of our business where we uh, pick up excess food and, but we, we, we charge people for it. So, we pick up excess food from large corporations and charge them money to do it. Sure. What is, so talk more about Rethink Certified. I think, again, we've alluded to it a little bit, but just give us a rundown of Rethink Certified and sort of how the program operates, what it means for a restaurant to be Rethink Certified and kind of how they would carry it out once they are. Yeah. So Rethink Certified is just a way that we push towards creating a sustainable and equitable food system. And they're just businesses that are contributing value into the sustainable and equitable food system. So if you're a business with a line item on and where every person coming in is donating a dollar, you're Rethink Certified. If you're a restaurant and you're making meals for a community center, you're you're Rethink Certified. We don't have like, we're not that sophisticated that we have like very clear climate numbers about it. And we will probably in time, but we just don't know what, what it is because it's such a new thing and we don't know how people respond to it. If you're a corporation and you want to be, you want to practice sustainability in your corporate offices, you know, you can, you can use our services to pick up your excess food. Um, and we'll go to your corporate office, we'll put in the systems, you know, we'll do all this stuff and then we'll share with your staff that you're rethink certified. 
And then the leftover food that you collect from those corporations, does that then go to like commissary kitchens, for example, where it's then kind of repurposed into meals or yeah. what's the next stage in that? Yeah. It comes to our commissary kitchen where we cater community centers, which is like the big differentiator between Rethink and I think a lot of stuff is, um, I mean, like food banks and stuff, they provide pantry items for the most part. And it's um, crucial. And we work in tandem with them. It's very rare that we do like whole produce. We only do like cooked meals. But it's really hard to operate a community center. So the big difference between Rethink and everybody else is um, we, we really work with the community center to see what they need and what they want. We're not just trying to like give them what's left over and you deal with it and blah, 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 because it just can create more of a headache. But, you know, City Harvest and Food Bank provide – it's kind of like going to a grocery store. The City Harvest and Food Bank provide the – the the all the all the you know kind of fruits and vegetables and all the great stuff that they do um protein and then we provide the kind of ready to eat food in the the buffet you know like the buffet bar so that's kind of nice yeah yeah i mean adding a dollar to every check it's like i feel like there are very few restaurants that can't justify that to consumers if they just know what that means you know what it's contributing to like and if you think about the implications there if like a chain like chipotle jumps on board and what that would mean even if it's just rolled out in a small region but if it's rolled out across all their restaurants that is massive and like the kind of pipeline that would create for an organization like rethink to really take those funds and you know like you said earlier you know we could just solve this food insecurity thing you know because the demand is not outstripping the resources it's just a matter of getting those resources into the right place yeah. And if you think about like, you know, like a small business, you know, doing like maybe, I don't know, like three, like tiny, tiny, tiny shop, right. Doing like 3k, you know, like a day, you know, maybe, maybe not even, you know, like 15,000 a week, 10,000 a week in sales, you know, like rethink providing 5,000 extra a week. I mean, you're talking about like sizable cash. It's like real money, you know, like $250,000 going to a small business in the South Bronx is huge. And like, it's amazing what we can do when we talk about, and, and all it is, is like, it's not, it's really not that big of a difference to any consumer anywhere. You know, like it's, it's really like you go back that $1 makes massive social change and you don't have to do anything about it and you don't have to think about it. And it's just like, it's really crazy how, and back to restaurants being community centers, like they really are, you know, they really are places where you can, you can go. And like, even if, even 11 Madison park, when you go as a consumer, like you are going there and you're actually part of a community, you're part of something bigger. You're part of the, the food truck. You're part of the work we do with rethink. And that's what I think is, is so special. And what I'm excited about when we're, you know, post post COVID or whatever. Yeah, definitely. So I want to ask, what have you learned about food security since starting Rethink? Like, what are, you know, I'm sure you did research and you, you knew a good amount when you first got started, but like, what have you learned as, you, have you, as you've built these programs in a city like New York? And, you know, the second part of that question for me would be, what do you wish other people understood too? Uh, that it's not about money, it's about time. I mean, it is about money, but it's, it's, it's a lot about time. You know, it's, it's folks just like don't have time to go to you know grocery store pick up food make it cook have a job have a part-time <laughs> job see their uncle and like it's really 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 difficult nowadays to live and to, to handle it and that that this is a this is this problem it's all one thing right you know people talk about sustainability and equity and 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 food insecurity and nutrition and the social determinants of health and it's all one thing it's all one very very clear 
clear, clear problem. And it's like, if you don't have any money or time, you won't eat healthy. And if the small businesses, small business community, if we're getting like not great access to healthy, quick food, we're going to eat what's available, which is going to be McDonald's, right? We're going to eat what's there. And so people eat McDonald's and then we're like, why does nobody, why is diabetes so prevalent? Yeah, why do we have such health problems? Yeah. It's all one thing. So if we can have small business owners making nutritious, beautiful, delicious foods for low cost, no cost, think of different distribution methods, then people can access that and have more time to spend with their family and their friends and all that stuff that they want to do. And on school and they'll perform better in school because they're eating healthy. Like I don't always eat healthy. I'm like guilty of it myself. And like when I don't, I feel horrible. So I couldn't imagine being forced. And when I was a cook on my days off, all I ate was fast food because that was all I could afford. But when you're in that socioeconomic situation, it makes it very difficult for you to, to grow, but it's all one thing. There's plenty of nutritious, delicious food in the system. There's plenty of points for it to distribute. And we just keep like trying to do different things, but we, I, we think we're on the right track to really figuring, not figuring it out, but at least improving some of these conditions. Yeah, no, I mean, I love that. I, I really resonate with that. Like I grew up in a single parent household and we ate a lot of fast food and it is exactly what you said. It was time. It was time, energy. It wasn't even about the money so much. It was just that the the effort and the energy it took to like prepare fresh ingredients and go through that whole process is, is hard for more and more people these days, but certainly someone who's you know, in like a single parent situation or many other situations that kind of fit that bill. And I mean, if families had access to meals prepared with love by local community organizations who then that also feeds into the community because the people who are employed at these restaurants are, you know, getting extra work, there's more stability in their economies, which then ripples out. And yeah, I just, I think you're really onto something. And I think it'll be really exciting to see where Rethink goes as it grows within cities, but also from there too. Like when this is like reaching like smaller and smaller cities and sort of metro areas and like suburban communities, like I think there's like so much potential. Um, will you talk about a little bit about that just from where you sit? Like what are your, I mean, of course it's easy to get, to get big fast and to want to look 10 years into the future, but like from where you are now with Rethink, where do you see it heading maybe a little bit in the short term and then kind of what are some of the long-term visions for it? Well, we're just, so like Rethink makes about 50,000 meals a week. And when I talk about the perpetual motion machine, we're just going to stay around that number to try to cover the cost with the, with the perpetual motion machine. And that's probably going to take a, a while, a couple of years. But once we really hit that and we, we call it escape velocity, I just want it to be really easy. You know, it should be easy for people to be able to do it in anything. And I think that also like, I'd like to, you know, maybe in 10 years, um, branch off into different sectors like i think that there's you know you could do it with fashion you could do it with cars you could do it with homes you could do it with anything there's there's a lot of different ways that you could do this i think it could be kind of just a, a thing where it's like you go to a rethink bar you go to a rethink hotel you go to a you know you buy rethink products Rethink certified products but they're all things that are just driving cash into the hands of the community yeah no, I love that. I mean, like, imagine if every Prada bag was funneled funds toward, you know, communities who are producing the leather around it and building schools or building access to, you know, education. Or if, if Nike, every 50 cents for every pair of shoes to do whatever resonates for Nike, whatever kind of makes sense from an authentic standpoint for their business and what they want to say, you know, they can determine maybe the program, but they've got 
every purchase we make can build something positive, can give back, can lift people up. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I would love to ask, like, so obviously you were working in kitchens and you came up in kitchens all over the world. Like, outside of just seeing the food waste, what drew you to food insecurity? Like, what made this a problem you wanted to solve? Was it just seeing the amount of waste kind of every day in your line of work and saying, we really like ought to do something with this or like what was it that really kind of drives your passion for for this for what you do is it it's kind of like this is like obsessive thing man i i so i was you know like i said i was teaching kids how to cook and i remember like a lot of the kids saying like i don't know where to get any of this stuff and i was like oh i bought it here and here and here but i because when i would teach the the kids how to, i would buy stuff from bodegas in the proximity just so that they you know th- there was access but I was sitting and I was having coffee, uh, a drink with a, with, a, with a really, really good friend of mine. And, and she said, I was like, well, it's kind of like crazy that, you know, like I was going to start something where I, I taught kids how to cook and I did this, this other thing. And I was telling her, like, well, I just like, I just like take the food from these places and make stuff and then give it to them. And she's like, just do that. Just figure that out. Just a simple, simple, simple thing. That's, that's going to be more than enough work. And I'm like, that'll be easy. that'll be totally easy like it's not that hard and so i just like i kind of went down this rabbit hole and i'm just like i just it's like all i think about i mean it's it's crazy i mean it's you'd you'd hate to be my friend because i just like it's all i talk about (laughs) it's all i think about but i um i really just think that it's such a ridiculous problem Hmm. it's just so silly like out of all the things like i always say there's not like there's food everywhere and it's in garbage bags outside next to people that need it like in the same, they're in, they're literally like this close together. It's, they just put it in the trash when they could have put it on a plate and like, it could be, we're all so close to it, but there's not like, when you talk about all these other issues that are in society, there's not like, you know, there's not like a magic thing you can do that like, will just lift all the plastic out of the ocean. But like, we are so close to this problem. Like this problem is just so stupid, man. That I that I can't like I feel like an idiot for not being able to solve it, you know. So I guess it's that's one of those things. And I know that as I've learned, I've been very naive and very ignorant, and 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 in my initial kind of view of it. And it's a much more complicated and intricate problem than I ever assumed. But ultimately, it is still a very 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 simple issue, and that's why I'm so obsessed with it. Yeah, you know, I think that's the biggest barrier to every problem we have in society in the world, like is just our belief that it's not solvable or our assumption that there's nothing we can do. I think it's like it, when you see something like food insecurity, like you're saying, and it's like, there's such a clear solution. We have the resources. We just have to get them to the right people in the right ways. If you start to think like that around every problem that we can think of, it's like, man, there is none of this is inevitable. None of this is like, determined like we can absolutely turn this stuff around and that's one of the things I love about talking about food insecurity specifically because I think people get it a little more quickly but I can't wait to see that kind of thinking find its way into everything we're all so worried about you know from climate change to protecting wildlife to food insecurity to conservation of any kind it's like there's some really simple steps and a lot of the solutions are already out there. Like look at rethink. If people all over the world started to apply that model, we could change things really quickly. It's just that we have to pay more attention to the solutions that people are building and just continue to kind of reinvent what we have. 
You know, I agree. That reminds me of something I came across. I think I don't remember if it was on the Rethink website or or somewhere else. Just as I was getting ready to chat with you today, but you said something that I thought was really compelling about it's not about innovation as much as inventiveness. Like it's not about like building something out of nothing, something totally new. It's about taking what we have and just rethinking it and redesigning it to behave differently, to behave better. Um, and I would just love to hear your version of that idea because, um, you know, you're the one who said it, but I something about that really stuck with me. Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking. We, 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 we have rethink in our office and in our commissary, we, we live by our core values really, really close to them. And, and we talk about being inventive all the time. And it's kind of like, if you think about like somebody's being innovative, they're like, you know, sitting, they're at like, they just got their MBA and they're like, you know, yeah. <laughs> doing something it's like inevitable it. something with technology or, yeah. or like they're like yeah some yeah. some powerpoint you know and they're like you <laughs> know wearing some sleek suit but you think of an inventor you think of like kind of like a desk like a with a bunch of like pieces around it and like they're kind of like trying to make something and like actually something very physical something very tangible something very practical something very needed and like that's really what we see ourselves as like there's so much like the food system is like it's there it's like it's here it's happening so if we try to think of like one app that like there's no app in the world that's going to fix it at all. There's apps that are going to help. There's technology that's going to help. And so when we talk at Rethink, like we when we talk about an idea, when we talk about an idea at Rethink, we talk a lot about who else could help us. Hmm. You know, who else could we work with? Who else could is doing this already? Who could we learn from? Who could we uh, borrow from? And so we we really do our best to the same way that we work with the community centers. When we go to community centers, we go to them. Hey, do you have any cool relationships with restaurants in the neighborhood? You know, like, yeah, we do. We actually do our fundraiser event with man soul food every year. I'm like, Oh, amazing. So man is like, she knows you built these relationships are already there. But if I was like, you know, some ginormous charity, just trying to pump out food wrap, I would just be like, here's your food, eat it. You know? So anyway, yeah. it's, it's, it's really about, relationships are the absolute most important thing like by like more than anything more than money more than food more than anything and like they're so incredibly valuable and in innovative people i i think when people think big picture big idea like like you know blank canvas like which is good thinking it's a good strategy but you're not thinking about relationships and i think when you're inventive you're actually thinking about relationships and anyway that's why a long way of saying why we talk about being inventive every <laughs> No, it's great. I love I love the image that I had in my mind as you were talking of like a tinkerer, just like a like be a Thomas Edison with every problem. Like it's just like try something and try something else and put the pieces together and then like you'll come up with something that is better than what you had before. I, I don't know. I just like the idea of like tinkering with society. Like just like take it apart, put it back together and, and see how you can make it better. I love it's that. a process, man. Like it's all a process. Yeah. Like, it's like little by little. I, you know, I just, the thing that I, I see too is like, I just wish there was a little more of a, a sense of urgency. Like we think it's criticized and applauded for moving too fast, you know, depends who you're talking to. But like, I, I just feel like, like we should all just start with this one. You know what I mean? Like, this is like something that we can all figure out. Like it's simple and like, it's clear what we need to do. And, and, and it's, um, 
yeah, I just feel like, and we get some momentum. We solve this one. We can work on the plastic thing. You know, we keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think that's good. Like, rather than trying to bite off the entire world, like, start with something that actually we can fix. Prove ourselves that we can do something about these problems we face, and then like that'll bolster our confidence, and then we can go rethink other things and it's kind of you know step by step. You know, and that's actually it's a perfect segue because before we wrap up, I just want to talk about from where you sit. What can people do to support? rethink yes but also be part of the solution when it comes to food insecurity like how can people take this on and and just say i can be part of this and take part in it and then also how can they support you know you and the organization yeah i mean if you want it like rethink is is supported by donors like you so if you go to rethinkfood.org but i would a big thing i say to people too and 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 every dollar counts reoccurring even if it's a dollar three dollars reoccurring donations are really powerful for us Um, but I also say, you know, like get to know, like your local community center, like try to understand who's in your neighborhood and who's doing what and see if you can help. Like maybe on your day off, you can go volunteer or get to know your local community center, get to know the people in your neighborhood. And like, if you see somebody and ask them for a dollar, just give a dollar. Like, you know, it's not weird. And like, if you live in New York, if you live in Miami, uh, San Francisco, like go to these restaurants that are taking part in a program like Rethink and talk about it. You know, make it make this real for people so that these these solutions become more of the conversation. Share it on social media. Like check out the restaurants that are partnering with Rethink already in New York and go eat there and tell the staff that you're there because of Rethink and like reinforce that too. So it's like just grow the conversation. I think that. I'm sure is huge too. And if you're in Chicago, go to Alinea, go to, uh, I forget the cocktail place, but go to Grand, Grand Akatis places and be like, hey, have you heard of this? Why aren't you doing anything with it? No, don't do that. Um, or, or maybe do that. No, do but it. Don't, don't yeah, do it. Do it. Um, Matt, is there anything else that you would want to cover that you feel like we didn't? I feel like we covered some really good ground, so I feel like we're probably in good shape to wrap up here in a minute, but is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you'd want to throw in? No, I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate uh, you and, and everybody for listening, and it's uh, it's uh, really grateful to be included in this. Thank you. Yeah, no, of course. It's our pleasure, and we're super excited about what you're doing. Can't wait to see it grow, and just like happy to play some small part in getting it out into the world more. So thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. I'll be honest, one of my favorite parts of every interview we do on this show comes toward the end of every conversation when we ask our guests about their vision for the future of their company or their nonprofit or whatever they're focused on building. I guess I just really love talking about what's possible and throwing ideas around about the amazing world we could build if we just found the courage and the commitment to do it and believed in our vision and our ability to build it. Hearing Matt talk about the possibility of a Rethink certified program that goes beyond food, which is where it's starting, into other industries, sparks so many ideas for me. From Rethink certified clothing and apparel items, sports items, maybe, to Rethink certified travel options, like Rethink certified hotels, or Rethink certified trains, or airlines, or Rethink certified paper products. In every case, the certification can mean something a little different based on criteria that makes sense for the industry that we're talking about, but that also always aligns with sustainability and environmental conservation, human rights, equality, and equitability 
How amazing would it be to see global restaurant chains with a Rethink certified label on some or all of their products? Like, what, what would it mean for Starbucks to achieve that certification? Does it mean that Starbucks is donating a certain amount of food and money to food insecurity programs around the world on a regular basis? Or does it mean that Starbucks is demonstrating ecological conservation and fair trade practices with farmers for their coffee and tea as part of how they produce their products? products. If we can just continue to explore ways to build better communication between consumers and companies or consumers and citizens or our systems, and if we can build more of these certification and accountability programs which create transparency in every part of our world, we'll continue to find solutions like Rethink Certified as an example so that every element of our society can give back and contribute positively to the whole rather than continuing to take and take, take resources from the earth, take time and energy from people, exploiting people and planet to build profit and unlimited growth, rather than building sustainability and equitability across the board. But, like Matt says, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's start with what we can do today and focus on the problems that are solvable right now, and food insecurity is as good of a place to start as any. Here's what you can do today. Get to know your local community centers. Like Matt said, it's a great suggestion. Who's in your neighborhood? What are they doing and how can you help? Are there homeless shelters nearby or shelters for women who are transitioning out of abusive relationships? Are there soup kitchens, food pantries, or children's resource centers that you can support? I'd be really surprised if every one of us don't have access locally to some kind of organization that we can support directly in some way that makes sense for us. Choose to build a relationship with service organizations in your area and come up with some kind of contribution that you can make and sustain. And that brings us right to our challenge for today's episode. Our challenge for you is to make a commitment to getting involved in some way with food insecurity. As we've explored, Matt sees food insecurity as one of the easiest challenges we have as a global community to solve, but it's going to take a variety of solutions from many people to really move the needle. We need large scale, we need small scale. Find a way to support food programs in your community. Volunteer at a soup kitchen or community pantry, or build a regular donation into your monthly routine if you can afford it so that you're funneling resources you have to those who need them. And maybe that means that you buy a few extra groceries once a week and drop them off at a local community center or food pantry. Whatever makes sense for you. Visit your local center and ask them what they need, and then find a way to provide some piece of that. Share what you're doing to carry out our challenge on social media with your friends, with your family and coworkers. Talk about what you're doing and what you're learning, what you're experiencing by getting involved. It's powerful to hear about other people's experiences, way more than reading a newspaper article or seeing something in media, I think. If you'd like to support the Rethink mission, go to rethinkfood.org and learn more. Learn more about what they're building, what they're focused on now, and what their plans are for the future. Consider making a donation, a one-time donation or a recurring donation, to ensure their long-term success. And support restaurants and businesses who are Rethink certified as much as you can if you happen to live in one of the cities where those restaurants exist. 
share the mission with others. If you live in New York or San Francisco or Chicago or Miami, talk about the work these restaurants are doing to support Rethink and what it means. Visit those restaurants and amplify what they're doing on social media. Tell the restaurants themselves that you're aware of the work they're doing and how much you support it, how excited you are by it. And if you're not in one of these major cities and you happen to know a small business that's a restaurant that might be interested in becoming Rethink certified or exploring the program, refer them to the Rethink website. You never know what could happen. You could be the catalyst to starting the Rethink certified program in your local community. I really appreciated Matt's suggestion to all of us to rally around one problem, like food insecurity, one that we know we can solve, and then check it off the list. We explore many different topics on our show, but I've noticed that every single guest we've had on the show who's focused on food insecurity says something really similar. It's solvable, and it's a pretty simple solution. Robert Lee of the New York City-based nonprofit Rescuing Leftover Cuisine told us on our first episode that if we simply eliminate food waste in the U.S., then nobody would ever be hungry. Simple. We just need to build better systems to get leftover food to people who need it. Kim Buffington of Eden Gives in Detroit told us about the right that all communities have to enough to eat, to enough fresh food, and how access to that food can transform families, increasing incomes, opening doors to higher education opportunities, improving health, just by ensuring that leftover food from grocery stores gets to the families who need it. And now, Matt has come to the table with another solution— Building a perpetual motion machine, as he calls it, which is designed to collect excess resources in the form of food or money and distributing those resources where there's a lack of it in certain areas of our community. These three nonprofits alone have served millions of meals in the last few years. You start to see how it really is possible for us to end hunger if we just rethink our systems and create new versions of everything we do. If we just get smarter about what we already have, imagine how it would feel to be able to say someday, we did it. We ended hunger in the United States. And then to take what we learned and apply it in other countries. And then one day to be able to say, we ended hunger in Europe, in Australia, in Asia. And then we ended hunger globally. We're already on the way. Organizations like Rethink are showing us the way. We just have to help them grow. And once we've reached that point of knowing that we've checked a major and persistent problem off our list, we've taken one of those rocks out of our shoe, imagine how excited we would be to take on the next challenge. We will have already proven to ourselves that we have the creativity and resourcefulness and inventiveness to transform one part of our society. So what's stopping us from doing it again and again? And one by one, problem by problem, Piece by piece, we can move down the list, inviting contributions from every level of our society, strengthening communities along the way, and empowering ourselves with the knowledge that we don't have to wait on someone else to solve these problems for us. We don't have to wait on politicians, corporations to do it alone, billionaires. We can do it ourselves through our ingenuity and collaboration and through building these core relationships. That's a moment I want to see us reach. That moment of, we did it. We solved it. Whatever problem we're talking about. And solving food insecurity would be an amazing first step in the right direction. So, let's do it. 
Thanks so much for being here with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share so we can spread the inspiring work that Rethink is doing in cities throughout the United States and hopefully throughout the world before much longer. Find us on social media for more inspiring stories and tune in in two weeks for our next episode. Until then. Thank you.